In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Who is this? In our first reading from the Liturgy of the Palms, we find Jesus riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Crowds of people who had heard about or possibly even experienced his miracles and his healing were laying down a makeshift royal carpet of clothes and palm branches. They were praising the Lord behind him and before him with shouts of Hosanna. And it must have been quite a spectacle. Because when he entered the city gates, the city was stirred. To be honest, that's really too understated a a translation because this is the same word used of earthquakes in the Bible. They were shaken, not stirred. They were shaken to the core as they asked. And we don't know, was it skeptically? Was it desperately? Was it angrily? Was it joyfully? We're not told. But they asked, who is this? Who is this man to whom the crowds are flocking? Who is this man who is riding into the holy city of God in the very image of Zechariah's prophesied messianic king, humble and mounted on a donkey? Who is this man to whom they're ascribing the messianic title, the son of David, and whom they're shouting, Hosanna, And he's letting them. Who is this Jesus? Who is this? I would say that this is the single most important question that Scripture poses to us. It's virtually the same question that Jesus asks of his disciples when he says, Who do you say that I am? And yet now, St. John is cleverly Posing it to a wider and wider audience. To you and to me. Who is this? Now I say it's the most important question because our answer, that is the answer that we believe to be true, actually determines our eternal destination. Who is this? And just in your own circle of Friends and family, or is it your family? Have you seen that weird commercial? But um, just in your own circles, you could find a variety of answers to this question. There's a spectrum of belief about who Jesus is or was. Some would answer that Jesus was a great man, a moral man, maybe even the man most in touch with God that there has ever been. And though I would definitely Uh, Agree with that. I could only agree with that if that's not all of who he was. He could not have been only moral because he said that he was the Son of God. He intentionally approached Jerusalem in the image of the Messiah, God's promised king, humble and mounted on a donkey. He allowed the crowds. To shout Hosanna to him. And so if we're going to say he's moral, then we have got to take this into account. And it's only moral if he is who he said he was. 
Now, someone answered the question, who is this? By saying that he was a great teacher of love and wisdom. Well, that's certainly true. But again, it can only be true if that's not all of who he was. The down and out, the periphery of society did indeed flock to him. And he loved them. He accepted them in a very attractive and inspiring way. He was certainly loving to those who needed love. And without a doubt, he instructs us to love God and to love our neighbor. But to say that all he was was a teacher of love is to skip over some very important and frankly obvious aspects of his teaching. By his own admission, Jesus did not use parables as illustrations in order to clarify his teaching, but actually to obscure it so that they wouldn't understand. In the Sermon on the Mount, he teaches a standard that literally no one can live up to. So he's only a teacher of love and wisdom if he can also provide a solution for our inability to understand or fulfill what he's taught. Now there's lots more answers out there about who Jesus is. and We could spend a lot more time going through the possibilities, but suffice it to say... The clearest and fullest and truest answer to the question, who is this, is given in the Passion narrative. Jerusalem is much like our own hearts, if we're honest about it. Within those stone city walls is is a stronghold of religious activity. It was the place that should have heralded Jesus as the Christ. In fact, it was created to recognize and praise the Christ. And yet they reject him wholesale and put him to death. And yet, like our hearts, Jesus rode right into the mess. The king of ages, humble and mounted on a donkey, approaching the battle for all humanity. As Jesus is standing with Pilate before the mob, a man was brought out, Barabbas, a guilty man, condemned man, a man whose cross was already prepared for him, a man whose death was deserved by the law, a man who woke up that morning sure that his hour had come. Imagine his angst. He was ushered into the courtyard amid the terrifying shouts of, Crucify him! Crucify him! Imagine his surprise, his relief, his confusion, his joy, when he received a full pardon because another man, an innocent man, a moral man, a teacher of love and wisdom, would actually take his place on the cross would be his substitute. We're not actually told what Barabbas' reaction was if perhaps he asked himself, who is this? Well, we can get a sense of what he must have felt if we realize that we each are Barabbas. If we feel the weight of that gospel truth 
That before God, he, we, he, we who were created uh, to herald him as king and Christ, that we have rejected him wholesale and therefore we rightly deserve the penalty of eternal death because sin is a capital offense. And yet this humble king claimed victory over our eternal death by taking it himself and giving to us his own eternal life with God. Who is this? He is Jesus, our substitute. Barabbas was set free. And Jesus was relentlessly scourged, mocked, punched, spit upon, yelled at. And he carried his own cross out of the city gates and up the hill until he physically could go no further. He was helped by Simon, Cyrene. At the top of the hill, he begged the Father to forgive them as iron spikes were driven through his hands and his feet against the splintered wood. Who is this that asks God to forgive his executioners? He was lifted up on the cross for all to see. And again, he was mocked and cursed, railed at by criminals and chief priests alike. And as darkness fell upon the land, you can hear the nervous whispers in the crowd, Who is this? None of the hell that Jesus had yet faced could compare to what would happen next. Is the one who knew no sin, yet there became sin for us, looked to the skies and cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And for the first time in eternity, when Jesus addressed the Father, there was silence. It was a terrible silence. The holy God who could not, who would not look upon sin. And at that moment, that moment of profoundest sadness and cosmic separation, it was finished. In his utter defeat, the humble king was victorious. For you and for me. And he cried out in a loud voice, surely equal parts anguish and victory. And then he willingly, willfully yielded up his spirit. And the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom and the earth shook furiously and death itself began to come unraveled. And a young Roman soldier, terrified by the chaos happening around him, looked to the dead man on the center cross and said, Who is this? And his captain, a Roman centurion filled with awe, answered the question, of the ages. Truly, this was the Son of God. The Son of God. 
And little did he know that he would soon be back for you, for me. And so the question remains for us as we now enter this holy week, for you and for me, for everyone, for eternity, for you who have your doubts, for you who are grieving or who are in despair, for you who are lonely, for you who are in a fight that you just can't seem to get out of, for you who are content at a distance, of the humble king who rode into the mess to die for our sins, that we may be forgiven. Who is this? Amen.